0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three
1: orders while supplies last.
0: Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Danny, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Good morning,
0: fellas. How are you guys? I am fantastic this uh, nice Friday morning. It feels like fall. The weather's starting to cool off, man. Football's officially here. Things couldn't be better. Damn! Yes! Yes!
1: He's fired up! <laughs> man! If every guest came out of the gate like that, Brian, no, no, we'd have something no here. No joke. If we just came out of the gate like that. <laughs> <I> damn. Crying <know. laughs> out loud, you're in Sprinkle up. me, man. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I've been trying to come up for with a good case, rather, for, for Louisville against Clemson, and uh, what Lamar Jackson has done the last couple of weeks, it's just astronomical. The numbers, we know that he's capable of that. But I, I just can't because of that Clemson defensive line and some of the issues they have at Louisville on their offensive line. Uh, can you come up with a good case for Louisville? All you need is one case. And you mentioned it: it's Lamar Jackson.
0: That's all you need. And he is a probably once-in-a-generational type player. I know he gets a lot of comparisons to Mike Vick, he's actually a little bit bigger. I don't know if he's quite as fast, but it's really close. If those two ran a 40, it'd probably be neck and neck. I think his arm reminds me a lot of the way Mike Vick threw the football, just like a flip of the wrist, and it looks so effortless when it comes off his hand. He's gotten better as a passer. Now the question is, can he do it pretty much by himself? Because there is not the same amount of talent that was there last season for him. But he he is. He's one of those types of players that can put the team on his back. And he might not have the same talent at receiver or running back that he did last year. But here's the problem, and Brian can attest to this. When you have a quarterback like that who can buy time and can hurt you with his leg, it stresses the defense so much, not only because they have to worry about tackling him, but because they're not sure, is he going to run it or is he going to pass it? So They're kind of in no man's land. And the longer he runs around, the longer they have to cover guys. So he's that type of electric player that can put a team on his back. My question is, can their defense get off the field against Clemson? And that's to be probably the matchup that'll matter the most in this game, because I don't know if, if uh, Louisville's defense is going to be able to hold Clemson's offense under 35 points. And then, then it's a really tall task to ask Lamar Jackson to go out there and start matching touchdowns to that defense, yeah, the defense I, which we saw look really good. Yeah. I
2: hate both of these quarterbacks. Even the <laughs> young one, Kelly Bryant, he uh, just put so much pressure on you. You are correct. What's your assessment of Bryant? two games into in the season, he's shown already that he is tough as nails. Yeah, he
0: really has. I mean, he all got knocked out of the game against Auburn, showcased his ability to come back, the durability. I mean, that's a, it's a huge factor in playing the position. You're just going to get hit a lot. I still think there are more question marks about Kelly Bryant just because we haven't seen him have to put this team on the back. I mean, everybody was talking about Auburn's struggles in that game. It wasn't like Clemson was lighting things up offensively on their side of the ball. They only put up 14 points. So I still want to see if Kelly Bryant can take that next step and really uh, you know, take that Clemson team if they need a drive in the fourth quarter and put the team on his back and lead them down the field through the air because at some point, and we see this problem at Ohio State with J.T. Barrett, at some point some team is going to stop you in the run game and you're going to have to throw it. We haven't seen that yet from Kelly Bryant, so there's still an element of unknown with the
1: Clemson quarterback. Yeah, great minds think alike, because I was going to go right into a JT Barrett question. How do you think this story ends for JT Barrett? Is it going to end up in a benching, or are they going to make him more comfortable and change the offense to cater to him a little bit more? Well,
0: it's almost too late. Like, I mean, how do you change the offense now? It's like teaching an old dog new tricks. I mean, JT Barrett is what he is. And and Nervin Meyer loves him. I mean, he's a great leader. He's a three-time captain. He's got intangibles. He's a competitor. He likes to fight. He just hasn't evolved as a quarterback in the past game. And I think what you can get away with at Ohio State, probably nine games out of the year, it doesn't matter because you can run over people. You can get J.K. Dobbins going in the backfield, a new freshman like Mike Weber. You can utilize some of his weapons. And then J.T. Barrett can rush for 60 or 70 yards, and that's enough. The problem is when you face teams like Oklahoma, like Penn State, like Michigan, you're going to have to step up and make big-time throws, and we haven't seen J.T. Barrett able to do that uh, on a consistent basis. So Urban Meyer is not a dilemma, I believe. I think he'll stick with J.T. Barrett just because he needs
1: oh Oh, no. Oh. No, Danny, no. Oh. Uh, no, no. Here's what I'll say, though. Oh, I no, no. We surprised. lost you for a second. No, the it, reason we were yelling is yeah. because your phone cut out for a second. Right. I was like, oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> You're, back You're back now. So,
0: You're back. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if you see uh, Urban Meyer start rolling in a different quarterback and playing a two-quarterback system because he's shown it before throughout his career, whether you go back to Florida, whether it was earlier uh, last year, you saw him. He's not afraid to play two quarterbacks. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case in Columbus.
2: No dilemma at the quarterback position in Stillwater with Mason Rudolph there at Oklahoma State. Uh, There's an interesting stat. I think since last season, Mason Rudolph has more completions over 70 yards than he has interceptions. Uh, Does this guy have a chance at the next level? Oh, uh, without a doubt. He
0: was my dark horse Heisman Trophy candidate because everybody was talking about Baker Mayfield, the other quarterback in that state. But Mason Rudolph, I actually covered him early in his career in his first bowl game start, and the coaches raved about him and raved about his ability and his his maturity, and he's kind of really grown up in that system, so he's completely comfortable with it. And as we know, in the Big 12 and at Oklahoma State specifically, they're going to stretch the field vertically as much as anybody. And then, on top of all that, so he's a great quarterback, but he's got probably the best wide receiving core in the country. So that, to me, is what the Big 12 is going to boil down to. It's going to be... Oklahoma State and Oklahoma playing in their showdown, the rivalry game at the end of the year. But I will say this. I did watch TCU pretty closely against Arkansas this past week. They could be the team that shakes things up in the yeah. Big 12 because Gary Patterson looks like he has that defense back to where they're typically capable of, which is pretty scary if you're an offense.
1: Geo and Jones with Danny Cannell now doing some work for CBS Sports, the digital team. You can check him out, cbssports.com and other places. He's going to, uh, of course, always bring the great college football knowledge to CBS Uh, when you think about coaches and hot seats and all this discussion that you have this early in the year it seems like it's every year it's somebody else and it's too early to talk about it Uh, Brian Kelly is someone that people had eyes on early on before the season It's a one point loss to Georgia it's another one of these one possession games that they can't seem to figure out Uh, what do you think about Notre Dame from this point on and what this season is going to mean for Brian Kelly
0: Well, it's critical for Brian Kelly because he's already fired his coordinators last season. He's made changes around him. He's pointed fingers everywhere else. Now the spotlight is on him, and I'm a little bit concerned about him. I don't know why, you know, I don't know. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. I'm sure most of the people that are listening saw what happened in his press conference after the game, but he kind of gets in his own way. And by, you know, kind of showing up a reporter after the game, um, and it wasn't the worst situation, but why? Why It was so unnecessary for somebody that's under a lot of scrutiny, it can only be used as an excuse to say, look, this guy's abrasive. He's, he's not the best to deal with. I don't love the way he handles his players. I think he te- treats them a little bit too much like professional athletes and the way he criticizes them and calls them out. I think college uh, football players should be treated a little bit differently because they're not playing for money. But I, I feel like this is one of those scenarios where it's way too early to say Brian Kelly's done and you can look around Kevin Sumlin you know similar people calling for his job out in College Station it is way too early I just remind people last year James Franklin when he got blown out by Michigan people are saying he was done at Penn State he should be fired and then you know I would love all these people that are out there that are calling for coaches to be fired somehow if we could hold them accountable and expose them (laughs) somehow (laughs) when the programs get it turned around I would love that but you guys know that's not how it works so I would, just say, I would just say for Notre Dame, there's still a lot left on their schedule. And they were. It was another one-possession game. Sooner or later, he's going to win a couple of those. And then all of a sudden, the perception changes. Because I think you have to remember, he's won everywhere he's been, whatever program he's been. He got them the national title game. But it is Notre Dame. And you're under more scrutiny maybe than any other program in the country. So the expectation is that you should win 10, 11 games a year.
2: Danny, I'm scratching my head. I just can't figure out Florida, uh, especially the offensive line with all the pieces they had coming back, and they can't block to save their damn lives. They couldn't block ice in Alaska. Uh, and I, I give Tennessee the edge, even though everyone says Florida's the favorite since this game is taking place in the swamp. Uh, how does Florida figure this offensive thing out? Because they can't run the rock, haven't been able to for the last few years.
0: Brian, it's got to be so frustrating. And I'm sure even Will Muschamp, the former coach there, who's now having a little bit of success in South Carolina, is looking saying, man, things don't look that much different. since I left, Because the defense <laughs> yeah. is still pretty good. And yet the offense just can't figure it out. And a lot of it comes down to the quarterback position. And I know it's unfair to place it on one position, but it's the most important position of all sports. They do have talent around those guys. And I think if you're Jim McElwain, you say, look, when I had my guy in Will Greer – we looked like we were the clear favorite in the SEC East. Now, when he gets a CED suspension and leaves, that totally throws your kind of depth chart. It throws your continuity off. And then all of a sudden you're playing guys that you really didn't expect to be playing. But that really can't be an excuse. You have to figure out a way to coach up your quarterback. Now, Felipe Franks, we don't know. He didn't look great against Michigan in week one. He's playing at home. You would figure they would give him some help. But I think one of the quieter stories that we haven't talked a lot about are these suspensions that Florida is still dealing with. Having lost 10 guys in that first game against Michigan, nine guys, it still remains to be seen if they're playing or not. You don't know how long this, this is going to linger over the program as it's still being investigated. So you've lost Jordan Scarlett, your leading running back from last year, Antonio Callaway, your leading receiver. So it makes things so tough. And I just wonder how the locker room is. And not that it's any indictment on Jim McElwain, but that's got to put a stress on everybody in there that's just like, man, where are our guys? Where are our teammates? When are they going to be back? It's just this looming dark cloud over there in Gainesville. I wonder how they respond to it. And I think this is one of those those games for both sides, for Butch Jones and Tennessee, but also for the Gators. It's one that can kind of move your season in one way or another. If you get the win, it can kind of bring you some confidence, propel you in one direction. But if you lose, all of a sudden, you know, guys start looking at each other, blaming each other, and you worry about the, the the season being derailed this early.
1: Hey, Danny, what was your take on Baker Mayfield's apology for the flag planting at Ohio State? Oh,
0: I hated it. Don't, don't <laughs> apologize. Go out there. You did your thing. You planted the flag. Own it. See, I think yep. he would have. I can almost guarantee you that Lincoln Riley called him in his office on Monday – and said look we might have to face this team in the playoffs you might want to try to just put out the fire a little bit and go out there and make apology because he's brash he's cocky I loved it I'm a firm believer if you don't want somebody to plant the flag in your stadium then you don't let them you know run all over you and throw three touchdowns and have a field day against your defense so I had no problem with it and I was just a little bit upset that he was forced to apologize because hey it's college football let him have some fun It wasn't egregious. You know, he didn't drop his pants and urinate on the 50. He just planted a flag in there. So let the guys have some fun. I I, I actually hope they do have a rematch just so we can see him do it again maybe because he (laughs) loves that abrasive, you know, talking smack with the fans. And I love watching guys like that.
2: Yeah, drop trow trowel right there. <laughs> dot the I. <eye. laughs> That's, That's really dot the I. But he only planted the flag. It's not that big of I'm problem. with you. I thought that was overblown uh, as well. Now, you did have a problem with Josh Rosen uh, this summer uh, with his comments about uh, – in quotes, student athletes and how difficult it is. And it is arduous. It's it's a, it's a tough road to and We all have gone through it and, and we made it through it. So I had no problem with him professing that. But on the field, the guy's been lights out. Would you have him as your number one quarterback if he were to enter in the NFL draft next spring? Would he be number one on your list?
0: No, I would take the other quarterback in L.A. I still like Sam Darnold better. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I have a problem with Josh Rosen, just kind of the off the field, kind of just issues and distractions, whether it's wearing a political hat where it says, you know, bleep the president, whether it's him talking, it wasn't so much his message, it was the delivery. And mm-hmm. I guess it's sort of a thing now where guys speak their mind and they're just so unfiltered. Mm-hmm. But as, a, as And now at the next level, I think it drives Jim Mora nuts, to be frank, because he has to always answer questions about his quarterback – but at the next level, when you're a franchise quarterback and you're paid, you know, tens of millions of dollars to be the face of a franchise, you have to portray yourself in a certain light. And I know some younger generation says, "Why not? He can speak his opinion. He can do whatever he wants to." But man, it is a corporate business, and people want you to be polished. They want you to be um, sellable. They want people to buy tickets to watch you play. So I just I would lean towards Sam Darnold because, and I think he's a little more mobile, and I think he's just as good a passer. So Josh Rosen, he's polarizing. He's exciting to watch play. I was really impressed, maybe even more than the comeback, but the the manner in which he did it, because he was getting pounded, driven into the ground, blindside hits, and it didn't phase him one bit. But I like Sam Darnold because the the mobility factor. He brings a little bit more to the table when protection breaks down. So I would lean toward Sam Darnold, and he just he seems a little bit more willing to handle the spotlight the way you're supposed to, and I know I know that's like not really popular to say, and it's probably the safer pick, but you just don't know what's going to come out of Josh Rosen's mouth, and I think that would scare a lot of franchises.
2: I, I think a lot of people would buy tickets to see a heel, too. I mean, it works in wrestling, yeah. so it work in football. So if you're the evil one, they're going to show up, especially if you can Brian, back it you know,
0: up. You know this better than anybody. If you go out, and this I said this about Johnny Manziel, if you go out and ball, you can do anything you want. You can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want if you go out there and produce. We've seen that happen a lo- for over the entirety of the NFL. But, man, if you slip up one bit on the field, all of a sudden their people are saying, this guy's a jerk. He yep. talks too much trash. I mean, it's just funny the way things work. But, you know, I agree with you. If you play that heel and you play well, hey, people will buy tickets and they'll line up to watch you play.
1: Hey, Danny, I got to give you credit, man, because you got the royal deal from ESPN. I think a lot of people would agree with that. And you have now gotten about, you've got like five jobs. You're for Fox, He's Jamaican now. You got CBS Sports, <laughs> Sirius XM, and you're doing it and you're doing it at a high level. What has this time been like for you these these few months after moving on from ESPN?
0: So I was without work for about four months and it was really challenging, but I think it really gave me a chance to step back and look at how much I love what I do. And that's why I'm very grateful for the opportunity with CBS digital and with Sirius XM and with Fox getting to call games back in the booth. It's just, I, you know, and there was, there was moments there where I thought about just giving it up and just saying, all right, I don't know if I want to be in this business. It's cutthroat. It's changing. Uh, you know, we don't know what the future holds with the business. We're seeing cuts made across the industry, but the bottom line is, and I kept going back to this and I talked to my wife about this. I'm like, I get paid to talk about sports. Are you kidding me? I'm going to make, take this run as long as I can and, you know, make it, try to make it work, um, for as long as I can. And I was very, you know, fortunate with the opportunity that ESPN gave me, but man, to be able to be back in this. And I was really glad we got it done before college football, because, there's no better time of the year than fall football. And you get, I, I think college football is, is more exciting. It's more passionate, the NFL. And I just, I'm I'm thrilled to be able to come back and just talk ball because that's all I want to do is just talk about football and, and the great experiences I had playing the game and watching these young men who, you know, we talk a lot about them. We've talked all about guys, what they bring to the table on the field, but so many of them are just great kids. And there really are, guys that are are just good quality student athletes that really are you know good men of character for the most part and I think we don't get those stories out enough and that's why I like being a part of this so I can help get those stories out there let's
2: talk some ball I want to know about Blackman down at your alma mater
0: yeah we had Jimbo I had him on the radio yesterday and Jimbo Fisher the head coach of Florida, he's hard to get stuff out of you know I was trying to drill him a little bit say what are we expecting out of the playbook what are we going to get he was pretty cagey about it as he always is I'm, I'm concerned about Florida State. Obviously, if you lose your quarterback and DeAndre Francois, you have no idea what to expect in a young quarterback like James Blackman who hasn't played yet. He wasn't a huge five-star recruit. He's a three-star recruit. But there are guys all over the country who haven't been five stars that have been able to go out there and win. And the one huge luxury that James Blackman has is that defense because yep. that was the one takeaway for me was that Florida State has a top five defense because they pretty much went toe-to-toe with Alabama's offense and controlled them. But unfortunately for Florida State fans, they gave them about 14 points with some of the turnovers that they handed over to them. So and, and the one thing that was still crazy, and this is all because of Hurricane Irma, we don't know. We've only seen Florida State take the field once. We've only seen James Blackman play about a half. So it's the great unknown right now. And Florida State still – not playing for another week. It's a lot of time to practice, which I think helps Jimbo getting his young quarterback ready to play. But man, you'd love to get as many reps as you can in before floor, that Florida State Miami game, before NC State, before some of these ACC matchups that are going to take place. Because I just, it's one of he's he's not the biggest kid. He's about six three, but he's only one eighty five, so he's a little bit skinny. And man, if you you guys, I'm sure are aware of this, the quarterbacks of Florida State. The last year or two have been getting Oof. drilled in the yeah. backfield. That <laughs> offensive line better pick it up because the quarterbacks just simply can't survive behind that protection.
2: And, and and one last question, Rick Trickett. I mean, he comes highly advertised, been in the game for a while. We know he's tough as nails. Has he lost his touch?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, Brian. I don't I don't I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, there has to be something where you look at it. And you say, all right, what is the problem? Now, I think there are a couple things. One, I think you have to remember just last year, Dalvin Cook was running the football all over people. So they were creating run holes up the front. So there, there was solid blocking from the run scheme. But the college game has evolved where you need to pass the football. Mm-hmm. And that was unfortunately where they got into trouble. Now, I did ask Jimbo about this, and he said all of the problems are not always on the offensive line. said some of the receivers had problems getting open. I did watch some tape and saw that, but there were often times last year – where DeAndre's holding the ball back there and he's looking to throw the ball and there's nobody to go to and you can't really pin those on the offensive line so you've got to you've got to call plays a little bit differently I think it's for Jimbo to protect that offensive line and then the quarterback has to realize you can throw the football away it's not a bad thing you get out there keep it in a man- manageable situation and live to fight another day but yeah the Rick Trickett He is one of the better offensive line coaches we've seen. I tend to trust him and say he'll figure it out. But at some point, it is a production business. If they don't start doing a better job up front, I'm sure Dimbo will start looking around and evaluating his coaching staff as well.
1: Hey, Danny, thanks for the time this morning. It's great to hear you back in the game. Happy for you and look forward to hearing you do the great work we've become used to from you.
0: Awesome, man. I appreciate it. It's great to be back. You guys have a great day. You You too,
1: too. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs